0: Welcome,
1: Thank you so much for having me, Ben. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So I understand your interest in the water glissons as part of a larger project. So I thought we should start and you could tell our audience a bit about your larger research project on space.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my research on space uh, began with my book project, um, The Invention of Order, which you just mentioned. Um, And the project dates back earlier to my dissertation as well. And uh, I was first struck um, in doing research in Latin American philosophy um, by the importance of thinking the colonization of the Americas as one of the core problems of Latin American thought. Um, And also in certain thinkers that would later become to become known to me as thinkers as part of the kind of decolonial thought project, um, like Walter Mignolo. So I was reading Mignolo and Enrique Dussel and thinking about this problem of colonization, uh, modernity and the Americas. And it struck me that space was a kind of a fundamental component of thinking that um, problematic. And it struck me in reading someone like Enrique Dussel that um, rethinking modernity entails a spatial turn. It entails a kind of attention to the way in which the colonization project was a spatial project, the way in which um, that kind of thinking about space disrupts our notions of linear time. It disrupts the Eurocentric thought that claims to think from nowhere Um, And it points us to a more um, situated thought that then would take up the problem of what does it mean to think from the Americas? Um, And so those are some kind of background questions that I think led me into this um, research. Um, I was also interested in conversations between Uh, Latin American, Latinx philosophy, and uh, continental philosophy, and the way in which um, certain continental thinkers like Gilles Deleuze and Michel Foucault um, had a very distinctive spatial awareness in their thought in understanding the way that knowledge and power are formed. Um, Yet that distinctive spatial awareness was oftentimes limited to a uh, European geography. So as I begin developing a conversation between um, those Latin American and continental thinkers, um, I began to think about what, how can we think the, the space of the Americas um, in relationship to this history of colonization. Um, and Glissant was someone who um, came a bit later into the project and actually really, I think, enriched my understanding of thinking the problematic of the Americas. But I'll, I'll get to that in, in a minute. Or, um, But I wanted to say just a little bit more about the project. Um, I guess one of the key dimensions for me in this project is the relationship between the colonial project as one of the emptying of space on the one hand and the ordering of space on the other hand. So I think it's a pretty well-established fact that the the colonial project basically saw the new world, saw the Americas as empty um, without inhabitants or without inhabitants that had the rights to be there or claim the right for the Spanish not to come there. Um, And so the space was construed as empty in certain ways. Um, Yet at the same time, one thing that I think is distinctive about my project is that I really wanna emphasize how the emptying of space also went together with a kind of ordering of space. So a kind of modern rationality Uh, an instrumental rationality is tied to this ordering of space, thinking of space in a new way as something that can be rationalized and controlled and mapped. And that notion also connects with um, the government and racialization of the populations that are involved in the colonial project. So the notion that space is ordered is going to be essential to uh, the colonial project insofar as its um, regime of both knowledge and power and extraction of resources. Um, So we can see that ordering operating at a variety of different levels, um, both on the ground in the Americas, in the very kind of ordering of urban space the spaces that indigenous peoples are placed into the space of the plantation. Um, And also we can see it at a more global level in terms of mapping the world on a grid um, for the first time in this kind of abstract sense that the entire world can be mapped. So that's, I guess those are some of the main questions of the larger project um, that I would just introduce here at the beginning.
0: Thanks. Yeah, it's helpful to orient the conversation. And so then I, I would invite you to say, you know, what, what from Glissant, uh, the concepts, the ideas, the questions, the methods drew you to his work? And then what what were the the same concepts and ideas that you found helpful for your project?
1: Yeah, so um, there's many concepts, I think, in Glissant that um, drew me into his work. But let me try to limit myself to a few of them. So I I think spatially, um, the critique of rooted space and the critique of filiation, Um, but then also the notion of the archipelago and archipelagic thinking that opposes continental thinking. And then thirdly, I would say the abyss in Glissant. Um, There's many more concepts that I could go into, and and probably as we continue the conversation, we can talk further. But just starting with those three, I think Glissant's notion of the critique of rooted space and filiation um, was something I found incredibly striking to think about the space of the Americas and the space of the Americas in the wake of colonization, particularly for the Afro-Caribbean diaspora Um, because I think what Glissant is attempting to think is a notion of belonging and a notion of relation that um, that is built on um, a foundation that's not rooted. And so I think on the one hand, he's able to think a kind of, um, notion of the Caribbean um, from out of an abyssal space. Um, And on the other hand, he's able at the same time to critique many of the fundamental notions of modern European philosophy and European thought with respect to the relationship between space, subjectivity, belonging, rootedness. So I think what what Glissant is doing um, in his critique of rooted space is is thinking about the possibility of subject formation, um, particularly in the Caribbean and for the Afro-Caribbean subjects who were brought to the Americas um, against their will and who did not know one another and were forcibly placed together, but thinking the possibility of a kind of notion of Um, modernity or counter-modernity in that notion of belonging that um, doesn't tie itself to these deep roots of affiliation. That's not to say that it's, this notion is without roots altogether. I think Glissant's also really helpful here in thinking about a notion of horizontal roots and relationality that's connected to horizontal roots and rootedness. Um, Perhaps this is also where his notion of the archipelago is particularly um, insightful and important. Um, And again, a kind of fundamental intervention against uh, continental European thinking, that thinking from the Caribbean means thinking from a place that is fragmented Um, thinking from a place that uh, is dispersed. And it also is a model of thinking that's against the notion of the condensation of a linear history into one centered space that you get with continental thinking or that you get with Hegel's vision of the Mediterranean as the kind of culmination of history. So this spatial thinking also gives us a different vision of what um, history would look like um, if we take the Caribbean as um, the center without center, right? If we shift the center, but also don't revert ourselves to that same thinking of centrality. I think also archipelagic thinking, thinking from the archipelago gets at such a rich notion of what it means to think from the Americas, the Caribbean in particular, um, that both kind of takes up a literal sense of what is the space that you're thinking from, but then also this much, I guess, deeper space of what, what kind of possibilities for um, relation and futurity are built from that space. Um, And lastly, I mentioned the abyss. And let me just say a little bit about the abyss. Um, The abyss is interesting and important for me because Glissant thinks about the abyss in a way that is not, reducible to empty space. So I think the abyss allows us to think again, a kind of counter modernity. So a lot of my book is thinking about the coloniality of space um, and how the coloniality of space is precisely predicated on that emptying and ordering articulation But the way that Glissant thinks about the abyss is not reducible to either emptying or ordering. Um, It's a space that's not exactly empty, but it's a kind of space that has a um, persistence and a sense of survival and memory that is called on beyond the destructions of modernity. So I think with all three of these things, all three of these concepts, um, what I'm really drawn to in Glissant and I find helpful in my project is the notion that modernity is not reducible to its violent project of emptying and ordering, Um, that there's another notion of space and there's a kind of resistant space despite the violence and precisely because of The entanglement of the new world, um, that the new world is the site of modernity because it is the site where um, peoples from all over the world are entangled for the first time in a violent and inhospitable way, but in a way that also leads to the creation of um, something new and something that's not reducible to the kind of ordering, emptying, Structures of power that we see there.
0: You mentioned that our sense of history shifts if we start from Glissant and the Caribbean. And you know, what else about uh, if we think with Glissant and space, what else changes, or how do we think about space differently? Or can you give us some more details on this? counter-modern or counter-coloniality of space kind of project that that Glissant gives us a different way of thinking about it?
1: Yeah. um, I think one thing that changes is um, kind of going back to the last point I was making um, with respect to entanglement. um, Glissant... Forces us to think about how the Caribbean is an entangled space um, and it's a specific space. And so I think one thing that he forces us to rethink is the relationship between the local and the global and how that question is articulated in modernity and countermodernity. So the Caribbean is this specific space of entanglement, it's the place where colonization really starts. Um, But it's also the place where this kind of, the archipelago fragments outwards and is dispersed outwards. So what Glissant calls the the tout monde or the all world, Um, there's this sense of refraction and global connection that the Caribbean requires us to think in its specificity. It requires us to also think globality. And so I think that kind of, the way Glissant's already rethinking modernity um, resonates with um, a lot of other thinkers. And so I mentioned earlier, like Enrique Dussel. Um, there's a way in which Glissant's notion of um, the all world and the notion of this Caribbean modernity, I think interfaces in interesting ways with what Enrique Dussel will call transmodernity, right? a, a rethinking of modernity global, in terms, globally in terms of a plurality of spaces. Um, I think there's something specific about Glissant's account that's quite interesting. That's, you know, that's not there in the same way in, in someone like Dussel. Um, but I think there's ways in which you can read those thinkers together. Um, And Glissant's thinking of the poetics of the Caribbean really changes the way that you think about modernity as such, not just Caribbean modernity.
0: I have a lot of further questions from that answer, some of which I'll save, uh, and I would encourage our audience to post. Questions if they have them. Um, And we'll get to them in a moment. I was thinking, you know, I am not a good thinker of space, as I have realized in conversation with you and reading geographers and others. And so I'm learning. But anyway, uh, in, in Demonic Grounds, Catherine McKittrick, reading Glissant, says that for Glissant, the poetics of landscape awakens language including from the landscape, making intelligible Black struggles in the Caribbean. Glissant has that line, uh, our landscape is our only monument. So in monument, maybe we hear questions of history that you're talking about uh, and, and wondering, you know, how, how do you think about this relationship between not just space maybe, but if I can put it in a slightly different register, land and history in, in Glissant.
1: Yeah, thank you, that's a great question. And I'm glad you asked about the McKittrick and also this this quote, our landscape is our only monument. I really love that that passage um, from Caribbean discourse where I think he thinks about land a bit more deeply than in um, Poetics of Relation where we get a little bit more of a turn to the abyss and to the sea. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I don't think he's leaving it behind. I think it's just a matter of emphasis. Um, But yeah, I think that this notion that the poetics of landscapes awakens language and makes Black struggles intelligible and is also a site of Black struggle and a site of... um, struggle in the Caribbean I think is really important. I think, so there's a few things at work in that notion that um, landscape is the only monument and landscape is is history. I think it's a the notion that there's memory in the landscape, um, landscape as a source of memory and also as a source of um the articulation of language, but in particular, the notion that um, to think the Caribbean, we need a more than human archive and particularly to think blackness in the Caribbean, we need a more than human archive because there is not a written archive that is left behind that extensively offers uh, a clear memory of of, what happened so in the middle passage so I think the landscape is a kind of poetic reservoir for glissant um and it's it's littered with memory and rethinking memory in that sense also I think forces us to rethink some of our fundamental concepts or some of the fundamental kind of white European concepts with respect to memory and language that and with respect to the the distinction between the human and nature, mm. um, that the landscape itself is already um, speaking to us about this human history, right and human history is embedded in the landscape and so, um, I think in a sense, Glissant's not naturalizing the landscape, um, but he's thinking about how it already undoes the human and nature divide. And I think this points to a kind of like ecological thinking in Glissant, mm-hmm. um, which is something I'm interested to explore more, but I, it hasn't come out as much as I would like, I think, in, in my work on Glissant so far. Um, but there's this ecological sense Um that articulates the the more than human memory. Um, It it also reminds me of just a kind of comparison and then disjunct with Latin American philosophy, um, which has been interested to think the question of place and land, so like I think about Um, José Martí and his famous essay, Nuestra América, Our America, in his notion of thinking that in order to think America, we must think from America and we must create concepts that are adequate to, uh, let's say, the American landscape. I don't know if he uses that term, but he uses the term nature a lot. Um, And so there's this kind of turn to nature as the possibility of building um, distinctly American ideas. And um, I think there's a spatial sense to that, you know, building of American ideas from nature and landscape. Uh, I think with Glissant, Glissant takes us like a, a step further. I was, was going to mention, you know, like Marty talks about making wine from plantains, even if it's going to be sour, at least it will be our wine. Um, <laughs> But I think Glissant takes us a step further because his notion of, I mean, I think Marty is still resorting in some sense to a 19th century concept of nature. I think he's he's going beyond some traditional notions of nature, but I think in Glissant, we get this kind of, um, this thinking of the landscape that really, it is nature but it's not the nature that's divided from the human and it's not the nature that's reified as something that can be controlled and known and categorized and so i think that's also for the same reason why um, some of his kind of botanical metaphors and thinking are are particularly uh Let's say um, powerful and and um, fecund is is because, right? He thinks about like the notion of the mangrove or the rhizome. This is the Caribbean landscape, but it's also a model for a kind of a metaphysics, a way of being, a way of thinking. Um, and it and it undoes a lot of these traditional binaries. I think from start to finish, Glissant's thought is really undoing so many binaries and so many um, so many of the traps that catch one in in Western modern thinking. Um, so I'll just leave that there for now.
0: Can you say more? One of the questions earlier, you know, when you brought up. Dussel and Transmodernity in Glissant. Let's spend a little bit more time on that because there is, for me, Dussel maintains something in his concept of exteriority. I hear this kind of Levinasian sense of this other and this stronger divide as. So, so there's exteriority, and then I see Transmodernity as maybe getting around some of those divisions of the exteriority, but still perhaps doesn't go as far as glissant and emphasizing something like entanglement or creolization that to my ear, uh, would not be comfortable with uh, as strong of a kind of um. Uh, geographic spatial distinction of another place an outside and an inside as Dussel's vocabulary to my ear sometimes is how do you think about that uh uh transmodernity and entanglement in kind of mm-hmm. for whatever creolization, whatever word from mm-hmm. Glissant you want to use in, in dialogue with Dussel there
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I I don't think that um, Dussel has a strong concept of entanglement or something like creolization. Um, I, I mean, I think he does have a sense in which I am always already entangled with the other. And so there is this kind of, there is a sense of relationality there. Um, and something like proximity in Dussel, which is again, a spatial concept. I mean, it's he says it's not literally spatial. It's not the same thing as the proxemic of two objects being close together. It's more this kind of ethical proximity um, but so I think there's something of entanglement operative there um, in terms of in terms of the other already being within me um, and there's the notion I think with exteriority that, there is also a kind of opacity towards the other. I mean, I I, I don't want to collapse these concepts between Glosani mean. and Uthel. Um, so I, I'm aware that that wouldn't be the best way to go. Um, but I think there's a possibility for a conversation. Um, but let me just say a little bit more on transmodernity, and I was thinking of the the notion of center and periphery in Dussel is it's So it's a kind of like a starting point for thinking about um, global spatiality and modernity. And, you know, we see that these notions and dependency theory, um, and then as they get up, developed into like uh, world systems theory. Um, And, but yeah, I think the center periphery divide still gives us a kind of a, a binary division, and it's still kind of it doesn't sufficiently displace the centrality of Europe in a way. Um, but I think as Dussel's thought matures, he starts to think more in terms of a, a global network and not just a center-periphery uh, division. So I think there is more this kind of sense of. Um, Regional, um, regional powers and regional worlds that are carved out. And then um, the provincialization of Europe that would be central to anything like transmodernity. But I think what's, what's missing is certainly, um, I guess the notion that like the Caribbean as this kind of, non-centered center of modernity is missing from Dussault. Um, he does, I mean, he does want to flip the script and say the Americas are the first site of modernity, um, but he's, he does it in a much different sense. So I think Lusant helps us to, to take some of those thoughts even deeper, I guess is what I would say.
0: And can you just point our reader, or our audience, to the uh, kind of texts or places they could go for um, what you mentioned in in Dussel's more kind of entangled or interrelated sense?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think even in the the book that's translated as The Invention of the Americas, his so his nineteen ninety two Frankfurt lectures, um. I think that already starts to go a little bit further than the way he lays things out in philosophy of liberation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you turn to the Ethics of Liberation book, which is a very long book, mm-hmm. um, but there's an introduction to the book that's itself like an, like a little mini monograph, um, I think it's like 80 pages. And there I think is a good place to just get a sense of how he's rethinking some of these categories of like world systems theory um, and global modernity. And, and this is where he's starting to develop the notion of trans-modernity in particular. So I think those two places would be good.
0: Mm-hmm. Finally, can you tell us a little bit about some of your next projects? Where are you going from here? How is Glissant a part of that, and so on?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, So, I mean, one thing that I want to think about more um, as I'm concluding um, the revisions to my book is the relationship between Latin American, Latin America, and the Afro Caribbean, Um, and I think it's valuable to think these questions together, um, but requires a careful thinking about um, the dispossession of indigenous space and the dispossession of African subjectivity and diasporic African space as not collapsible, but also as not completely incommensurable. And also at the same time, questions of indigenous and Black resistance in the Americas. So um, the question of native and Black relationality in relationship to landscape, space, resistance in the Caribbean and the Americas, um, these are some questions that I'm thinking about right now. Um, And um, one thinker that I've found helpful with addressing these questions is uh, Tiffany King's work on the Black Shoals, where she uses this image of the the black shoal as a site of a meeting point, which is also a kind of a tense meeting point, as a potential site of disaster, but also a site of slowing down. So the shoal is the place where kind of land and sea meet. Um, but she's also pushing for um, not separating. Um, Blackness and indigeneity in terms of uh, a liquid sea versus a kind of landed notion of indigeneity. Um, And so I think Glissant is actually a thinker that's in some ways already quite helpful in thinking some of these questions through his notion of creolization. Um, But I'm also thinking more about indigenous resistance in relationship to the kind of resistance that I think Glissant is thinking about. Um, in the, the Caribbean landscape. So that's that's one um, dimension of, of some of my current and future work. Um, and another project that I'm working on now, or just starting to get into, is um, thinking through some questions from Santiago Castro Gomez, who's also a a deeply spatial thinker. And I I finished the translation of Zero Point Hubris, which I co-translated, which just recently came out in English. And um, I mean, the the idea of zero point hubris is a spatial idea, right? The critique of the thought from nowhere that cannot be observed. Um, But this book also is, is a really rich kind of local genealogy of colonial power in colonial New Granada. So today's Venezuela and Colombia. Um, And what I wanna write about in relationship to Castro Gomez is looking at a particular moment of um, science in New Granada, specifically the, the, the practices of trying to classify Kinchona bark, which is the source of quinine um, in New Granada in the 18th century. And so there's all kinds of debates which are um, charged with um, coloniality, racism, and scientific knowledge. But also if we take an example like Kinchona bark, we can begin to think about the relationship between uh, the healthy body Global, the global trade of the, the value of this kind of turn towards um, botany and um, crops rather than gold and silver. Um, and the notions of race and knowledge that are at play in this kind of the expropriation in this case of indigenous knowledge with respect to the healing properties of Kinchona bark. So I wanna look at how one example um, of a very kind of local moment in the colonial archive can allow us to think about this kind of global entanglement of science, knowledge, race, and politics.